Good morning. Hey, you're not the head of the Mononokian. <laughs> well, if you're going to come in here, you have to play a game with me. And if you're going to play a game with me, you've got to know the rules of the Mononokian, okay? First rule is this, is that sometimes the master of the Mononokian and his assistant use foul language that may not be suitable for all audiences. Fear discretion is advised. Second thing is that sometimes they get really, really into our games, so they kind of spoil other things, like a lot. So, if you haven't watched the Morose Mononokian or a couple other series, you should totally be advised so that you don't get spoiled on anything. And finally, anything said in the Mononokian respects the views of that person or yokai or adorable fox spirit that likes to play hide-and-go-seek. So, and not everybody as a whole. So, take everything we, we say with a grain of salt. Now, with that being said, it is time for hide-and-go-seek. Now, what should we play till? I bet we should play forever! And if you want to stop, then I'm going to curse you to listen to every single one of the other Masters podcast episodes! Isn't that fun? Anyway, you're it! I'm gonna go hide! Hello one and all and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of exorcists get together and discuss the latest and greatest in English dubs. My name is Stephanie and it's that time once again. It's ladies night here on Dub Talk. Ow, I'm gonna ow. get chocolate wasted. I'm gonna get actually wasted. Can we wait until we're done before we get wasted? But what am I gonna wasted? do with all these whiskey bonbons? It's Wednesday. Oh god damn it. It is Wednesday. It's Whiskey Bonbon bon Wednesday. We have to work tomorrow. <laughs> we have to work tomorrow, guys. So not the best idea right now. <sighs> That's what sunglasses are for. I know. I'm a killjoy. I'm sorry. Uh, so what kind of adventure are we in for today? Well, we're going to be assisting and exercising yokai today as we discuss the English dub for the Morose Mononokian, the 2016 series from Perot Plus and licensed by Crunchyroll and Funimation. If you haven't heard of this series, then you're in for a wild ride. Uh, high school is complicated enough, but when yokai get added into the mix, say goodbye to normalcy. This is Hanae As Ashia's, wow, that's a tongue twister now you put the name together, unfortunate reality. Right before his first day of class, Ashia's life is turned upside down when he stumbles upon a strange creature that begins to cling to him. And the longer it's around, the worse Ashia begins to feel until he's missed the first week of school. But what's more unusual is that no one else can see this bizarre being. Desperate for help, he seeks aid from a questionable flyer searching for an assistant exorcist. Enter Haruitsuki Abano, a handsome young man known as the Master of the Mononokian, who is just the person Ashia needs to exercise the yokai that's possessing him. But Abano Abano's help comes at a price, one that has Ashia working as his assistant to pay it off. Together, they'll help send trapped yokai to the underworld. That is, if they can stop figuring. This is a story about one boy's quest to get fuzzy balls off his face. And a God damn it. Wow, I can't wait to lewd yokai watch like Andrew ludes Pokemon all over his Twitter timeline. <gasps> Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! 
my god, <laughs> Gigi, you just can't do that to people. Why and not? By, you can't. I mean, do Why it not? again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, the savagery is coming. <laughs> anyway, oh god. Aside, from, Holy fuck. aside from Andrew's love of looting Pokemon on his timeline, <clears throat> um, as always, we're going to be going through the cast and crew of this first season because lo and behold, they announced a second season a couple, like in the last couple of months. Hooray! Which is <laughs> for at least so two out of three of us. Yeah, I know. So we're going to be going through the casting crew of the first season, all the while discussing the casting, performances, and the English dub as a whole. It's time to summon the door to the underworld and dive right in. Do I so get a fluffy ball with... to attach to me first? What? Huh? Can I get a fluffy ball gag? Gotcha. Yes. Don't worry. <laughs> Mama is here to provide. Oh, Are you going to lock me up in another children's playpen? <laughs> you didn't even get in there. Because if I would have gone we, in there, then it really would have weirded out the super Christian restaurant we were at. <laughs> for, and yet, for some reason, you made Noah and Andrew go in there. Listen, I had to lock my boys in the cage. I had to make the meme a reality. You Don't, leave them boys alone. They are no. Let her touch. Let her touch. Let her touch. Whoa. Let her touch them. <laughs> whoa. 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 Rethink that sentence real quick. <laughs> I mean, it was just coming out of my mouth, and I just couldn't stop it. Clearly. Oh my god. Clearly not. <laughs> okay. Who makes so people start... come? What? Who makes? I was trying to segue into that, and it was just going to be more sexual than I wanted it to be. So I'm going <laughs> to shut my mouth. Just stop. Stop while you're ahead. I can't wait to talk about this BL. <laughs> Funimation finally dubbed a BL. Score as close as we'll get. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Alright, so we're going to start with the ADR director, the assistant ADR directors, because unfortunately there are like five of them. And our script writers, which we have two. So... <laughs> Uh, this show is actually very interesting because a couple different reasons. So like I said in the beginning, it came out in 2016. I believe it was during the summer season. And the home video release for this show, one, came out of nowhere. And two, it actually came out at the start of 2018. So yeah, it came out like two years later. It's very interesting. Um, but what makes it even more interesting is the staffing behind it. So the ADR director we have for Morose Mononokian is Tyler Walker, who has also directed series such as Hell Girl, Peach Girl, and Three Leaves, Three Colors. As for- The show doesn't have that many girls, why are you going for shows with the word girl in it? What about King's Game? Because Everyone's favorite anime, King's Game. Everyone's gonna die. Look- Everybody fucking dies. The Look morose Mononokian, everybody fucking dies. All the yokai Look. dead. Look here. God, Gigi Christ. Look here. I was trying to find shows that were at least fairly similar in tone and style to Morose Mononokian. Oh, yeah. Tell me that part of Peach out. Girl where they just exercise How the a fuck bitch. Is Peach Girl anything like this? Peach Girl? I don't know. They just I exercise just... a succubus okay. out of one of I them. Threw that in there. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and let me keep talking, damn it. I haven't been able to host a ladies' night all fucking year, and this is how you treat me. You guys are such assholes. What happened to Kami Sama Kiss? 
I don't know. What did? Let's well, do it next year. Fucking hell. All right. As for our script writers, I'm going to go with that because assistance is going to take a good couple minutes. So we have two. Uh, Tyler Walker also serves as one of the script writers, and he has done script work for series such as Ace Attorney, Fairy Tale, and Phantom Requiem for the Phantom. Meanwhile, our other scriptwriter, and I'm pretty sure our main scriptwriter here, is Mr. J. Michael Tatum. Yay! Who has scripted 91 Days, some parts of the Garo franchise, as well as Psyche Reload Blast. Now here's the fun part. Um, so, assistant ADR directors. There are five of them, like I said before. In alphabetical order by first name, we have Anthony Bowling, who has been the assistant director for Black Clover, Cardcaptor Sakura, Clear Card, and Star Blazers, Space Battleship Yamato, 2199. We have Brittany Lada, who has been the assistant ADR director for Alice and Zoroku and New Game. We have Dave Trosco, who has been the assistant director for Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, and he's edited The Last Witch. We have Kyle Phillips, who has been the assistant ADR director for All Out, Tokyo ESP, and parts of Fairy Tale. And we have Miss Tabitha Ray, who has been the assistant ADR director for Ace Attorney, Clockwork Planet, and here's our favorite show in the world, King's Game, the animation. <laughs> Everybody fucking dies. Everybody fucking Everybody King's Game, fucking the show dies. that actually depicts what goes on in a girl's uterus once a month. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> Why is it every episode that I'm on, there's either some kind of really veiled joke about vaginas, like ponchos, or you're going to fucking talk about period. Why? I realize this is effing ladies night, but Jesus Christ. I don't know why it happened. It just did. Because Megan somehow puts it in that direction and she just doesn't stop. I blame Andrew. My doll. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we can no, cut that out. Oh, God. There's no I'm one sorry. here to help you now. <laughs> there is no God. There is Everybody no God. fucking dies. <laughs> there is no god, only King's okay. game. No, no, no. That's King's game. Marosma Nanoki and nobody, as far as we know, fucking dies. Thank god. So on that note, Gigi, how do you feel about the directing and script writing of the show? Oh, Christ. <laughs> Please don't kill well, me. <laughs> let, let's start off by me saying the Marosma Nanokian is pretty episodic. So it's kind of hard to judge, especially when the rotating cast of directors and writers keeps rotating, kind of like the revolutionary sushi restaurant, except you can't put your plates in at the end to get a gachapon. Um, that, Ours was broken. <laughs> that being said, I kind of felt like this was on the level of tame for a J. Michael Tatum dub, because I love when Tatum writes dubs. And I love when he throws in a bunch of pop culture references. And I love when he changes the script around because I love that in my anime because if it stays, you know, too true to the subtitles, I get bored and I'm like, well, I could just watch the subtitles. Um, but this was kind of tame for scripts that he writes. Like, I didn't really feel that there were any you know, super funny out of context moments, which I know a lot of people don't care for, but I personally like them. So I was slightly disappointed. Um, 
But I mean, I guess it's solid. I did not watch any of the Japanese for this dub because um, I didn't have time. And I just, but uh, I mean, you're also planning on going to Vegas soon. I so. will be in Vegas a week from Saturday. So I clearly would rather spend my time on, you know, forgetting how to play blackjack so boys can teach me. So uh, that's always a fun time. Um, Double bonus if they look like Ron Maru or Camu. (sighs) I would cry. Or Ren. I would cry. Um, As for the directing, I mean, like I said, it was pretty solid. I only had a problem with a couple of the casting choices for characters we're not even talking about. So I guess it really doesn't matter. Um, I did have this thing though, where one of the yokai towards the beginning, pretty sure this was a thing from the Japanese. And if it's not, I don't know why they threw it in there, but he kept saying Kiki ki a lot. And I was like, Kiki, we going to a party. Oh, big boss scream. I was like, Shangela, are you here? <laughs> but God damn it. Go do a kiki. Um, yeah. So I, I just, there, that was a weird sound choice thing, I guess. Um, but, you know, the goddess Brittany Lada does no wrong because she's the goddess Brittany Lada. Um, as for everybody else, it flowed pretty seamlessly. So I couldn't really tell there were a bunch of rotating uh, staff members on this. And that's the sign of a good thing, especially when it's an episodic anime where nothing really uh, wraps up in the end. So yeah, I have nothing really terrible to say about it. And, and it was nothing really super that would make me crawl and cry on the floor. Like if Camu were singing saintly territory. So that's all I really have to say. <laughs> God damn it. It all goes back to Udupri with us now. It's great. <laughs> yep. Look for the spinoff coming 2019. God damn. This, oh God, the spinoff podcast, Lord almighty. Anyway, Megan, how do you feel about the directing and writing? So, I I do have to agree with uh, Gigi that for a Tatum script, this is a little bit more tame. There are, there are some things that I did catch. I think one of the ones that really that really kind of stood out to me, because I was, I was watching the show, but I was also working on other stuff that I needed to get done early this morning while I was like, I had like the first three or four episodes on. And I think the one that caught me was, I don't want you to come play hide and seek with me if you're a noob. And I was like, I don't know if I should be upset at the fact that you use the word noob and it's 2018, Jesus Christ. Or if it works because this character is an annoying bratty child. I ain't even catch that. Or at least takes, takes that. It's when, um. I know, I know when it would be. I just, I didn't even catch it, so. Yeah, it's, and I think that's the thing is that I can, I can tell a little bit when Tyler was handling the episode and when Tatum was handling the episode, and I don't want to knock this because it's not a bad dub. Actually, this was probably one of the more enjoyable and easier dubs I've watched this year. Like, this was, this was great. I could just put this on and, like, turn my head away and I could tell, unless you were a yokai, to which that is another minor complaint I have. Uh, I could tell all the characters apart unless they were the episodic yokai. And that is because I think literally almost every single older male actor at Funimation is in this dub. Yeah. And no offense, they kind of all run together if they're all in the same scene. So when your head's turned away, like mine, like say I got like 
say I got like a text message that I needed to respond and I looked down for a second, I couldn't tell who it was. I just knew the performance was, oh hey, this is adorable because this is a adorable cuddly yokai creature. Um, but the thing is that like, one of the things, if there's multiple writers on a show, just to transition back into that, is if there are multiple writers on the show, I do not want to know where one person's writing ends and the other person's picks up. It should all, to me, be a seamless mesh through. Because <laughs> if you're somebody else who has a lot of writing quirks like Tatum and you don't mesh necessarily together with the other person you're writing with, it kind of throws the tone of the show off. This, in this case, it's really tame, but the best example to give you where this actually is really successful is in the Ancient Magus Bride, where you cannot tell where Bonnie Quickenbeard starts and where Jamie Markey picks up. And then in terms of the rotating directors thing, I don't know if there was just something, was it the simuldub schedule that caused, like, literally everyone and their mom to work on this show, basically? I mean, it... It, the only way that would make the most sense is if t it was a, they were working on during a same season when Tyler Walker was working on something else. Like, maybe he was working on, for example, like considering some of the names listed here, he could have been working on Kado, the right answer. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock it because I'm not gonna knock it because the dub came out really great, and I think especially mm -hmm. with a lot of the lead and more prevalent characters to the show. Uh, I really like it, and I honestly think that in terms of the casting for the two leads, this is probably one of my favorite combinations that they've used this year. So, but that's all I really gotta say. So, Steph? Okay. I am gonna agree with you for the most part in terms of the writing side, where... Because, unfortunately, on this show, some of us either love, absolutely downright love Tatum's writing or sometimes have very very huge issues with it normally i'm in the middle <laughs> and i'm still kind of in the middle um but this is one of the more tame i'd say tame leaning on more of the scripts that i enjoy a lot more from tatum like akka 91 days and those ones um i think it helps that having tyler in here to work off of helps too but <laughs> It's, like you guys have been saying, this isn't a, without Tatum's little quirks here and there, and sometimes it worries me, sometimes it doesn't. Like, three things that I picked up on throughout watching this. The words, get bent, were used, and within the first episode, uh, what else is used? Achievement unlocked was also used, and I don't know if you guys paid attention to the next episode previews at the end, but there was one where Abina was like, I'm not Dr. Doolittle to Ashia. <laughs> I think I, I might like, have skipped that one. Yeah, they were they were next episode previews after the end credits, though. Um, but despite that, like Megan was saying, this is a show that I easily enjoyed, even with the small little quirks in writing that kind of you, you know me at this point. My brain is just like, I don't know how this is going to go later on down the line. If it's going to really kind of cause an issue in terms of trying to get new viewers in and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, the script is very enjoyable. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, same thing with the directing. And kudos to 
this massive rotating list of directors. Because <coughs> holy mother of God. I mean, I don't know the, we, we don't know the circumstances of when this was recorded or what was going on at the time. Obviously, the most likely scenario is the crazy simuldub schedule at, at that point in time. But I couldn't tell where Tyler's directing started and then all these other five individuals, where they jumped in. And that's, that's a very good thing. I think if I had to think of stuff... I would say some of these assistants came in for specific arcs. Like, let's throw this out there for an example, because we're going to bring him up again in a couple minutes, actually. Anthony Bowling. He mm -hmm. probably was part uh, the assistant on the parts where uh, Jomatsu, who we'll talk about in a second, was more prevalent. Um, Brittany probably took care of helping with some of the Yahiko bits. Uh, Dave, as for Dave, Kyle, and Tabitha, that's the more obscure ones. But they could probably fit into different arcs. That's that's what I'm thinking and how they did this. But Lord, but who knows? Honestly, we don't know the circumstances. Um, but I do have to give kudos to the casting, the performances, the script. Actually, I really did enjoy, despite the small little quips and that make my brain kind of nitpick. That's just me at this stage. Um, but overall, it's very fun. It's very easy to watch to me. And it's very enjoyable. And I do agree with Megan. It has one of my best, one of my favorite pairings in terms of lead character performances that work off of each other so well so far this year. So, um, we get to move on? Yeah. Neat. So let's talk about some yokai. Well, this, this section and probably the next section are going to be very, very brief. Um, this section is more of the episodic yokai we get to meet throughout the first season. So we have Big Boss Scree, who appears, I believe, in episode two. He is this pinecone-looking thing with a bunch of children that ends up in the school. I'm trying to describe these yokai so you can remember them. <laughs> he's the he's the motherfucker going kiki. He throws the kiki. Yeah, we we know yes. we know the Big Boss Scree. Yes, he's he's adorable. Big Boss Scree yeah. is our favorite kiki lover. <laughs> we have Mitsu Chigura. Who is, he looks like this stone man. I think he pops in episode three or four. He's this stone kind of figure. Oh, the mask guy. The mask guy. The mask guy. Yes, the mask guy. Because Ashia, one of Ashia's jobs very early on, he's asked to retrieve his this guy's laughing mask, um, which has been attached to Zenko's dad. Uh, we have Monjiro, who is the eel. The eel-looking yokai who requests the assistance of the Monokian to find a wedding ring belonging to an old lady uh, and to return to her. We have Jomatsu, who is this flying bird-looking-like yokai who is an assistant to this princess uh, and who he loves very much and he's trying to get some help because this this motherfucking princess fools for any good-looking character. <laughs> <laughs> Even a jet for some reason. Yeah, that was the line that got me. I was like, I'm sorry. And for some reason, a jet plane. I was like, JJ, the jet plane? I don't even remember this episode. It's the one I with just the birds. watched this like two days ago. It was just before the Yahiko bit, I believe. Um, we have Nobu, who is a scarecrow, basically. Uh, who is stuck in this field near Zenko's house, uh, kind of haunting it, 
and is feeling guilty for the his death best bro of his died. scarecrow buddy. And then we have Tomari, who pops in the last arc of the show. Uh, she is this, she's a dugong-looking, <laughs> speaking of Pokemon, dugong <laughs> seal, um, <coughs> who is blind and can only see uh, if she borrows the eyes of someone who is able to see yokai. So, with that brief explanation, as brief as I can go, explanation out of the way, the voices for these characters, as Big Boss Scree, we have Arbor's Elliot, who has been in series such as The Recent Angels of Death, Gangsta, and Romeo X Juliet. As Mitsu Chigura, we have Randy Perlman, who's been in Aka 13 Territory Inspection Department, Token Rambu Hanamaru, and Tokyo Ghoul Re. <laughs> he also went Kiki. He also went Kiki. <laughs> As Manjiro, we have Steve Powell, who has been in series such as Vasculus, the film Boy and the Beast, as well as a minor role in Shiki. As Jomatsu, as I was mentioning before, it's Anthony Bowling, who has been in series such as Devil is a Part-Timer, Honda-kun, and Ping Pong Lee Animation. As Nobu, and my god, I think this is the craziest one for me, uh, Kent Williams <laughs> is Nobu, the Scarecrow. And uh, he's been in series such as Bakken Test, Drifters, and Soul Eater. And as Tomari, we have Miss Heather Walker, who has been in series such as Luck and Logic, Overlord, and Tokyo ESP. And Heather is also the uh, princess. What is her fucking name? She's uh, Princess Bird Bird. Princess Anmo. She's Princess Anmo during the Jomatsu episodes as well. Uh, but we're primarily going to be talking about her as Tomari because Amano just makes chirping bird noises. <laughs> All right, so Gigi, how do you feel about real briefly about these characters? Um, the worst part about episodic anime is that if you somehow skip out or like don't pay attention to something and then it comes back around to bite you in the ass, kind of like what it did to me here. So I, mm, let me tell you, I'll just talk about the ones that I do remember and you can pass judgment on me for not remembering the other ones. Not to say that their performance was it great or whatever, but apparently it didn't catch my ear enough for me to even remember these characters. Um, so the first one is Kiki, the Kiki master himself, Shangela, I mean, Scree, um, <laughs> which fucking freaked me the fuck out because it was all like CGI and like weirdo eyes and friggin' bush teeth. A and I wanted of the to... yokai were like CGI kind of things. I, li I think Mandra was another one too. Yeah. Mandra, maybe Nobu. A lot of the yokai were CGI. They were the important yokai were the ones that were CGI'd. And this one like freaked me the fuck out. Um, and then I realized that a couple episodes later that it's just going to be a bunch of older dudes as yokai watch characters. So I was like, oh, okay, I get where this is going. I've already sort of said in the writing how I didn't like the little kiki noise that he was trying to make. It just came out as really awkward and stilted. Like, and if this is the thing that they said in the Japanese version of it, I don't know. I think it could have been written a different way so that it could seem less awkward coming out of a grown ass man who's being this old ass yokai. So that was Scree who scared the shit out of me. Um, the scarecrow dude was all right. I remember him. Um, I thought the eel one was actually pretty funny. Like I really liked his delivery. Although this is another case of 
me finding the plot twist before they said there was a plot twist and I was like I swear to god I thought he said that he was her husband oh no I guess he didn't so I did it again I've talked about this numerous times where I just didn't make the plot twist twisty enough um but I thought that one was a really good job um who I really liked who stood out above all the other yokai for me was the blind seal girl at the end I really liked her I think she was in King's Game, and I said I really liked her, but she didn't do enough. Yes, but I Heather really like King's Game. I really liked her here too. Like I really thought she was just very kind of calming, and like I didn't want to. I believe if the seal was like a good seal or really trying to fuck over, um, what's his face? Ashia. Uh, yes, Ashia. I keep wanting to call him Akiyashi, and I was like, that's a completely different show. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell, and I thought that was, like, really good for the beginning of it, because once it takes him a long time to get his yokai watch back, that she... <laughs> She like could have. This is nickname Yokai Watch. It is. Sorry. I call this anime Yokai Watch. Why wouldn't I? God oh damn God. it. It's really um, gay Yokai Watch. It is. It's the BL Yokai Watch. The Yaoi Yokai Watch. Here you go, fam. Um, <laughs> but I really liked her performance. And then once I realized that she really was being sweet and her little like kawaii anime eyes, and I was like, oh, she really is really cute and just wants to go to the underworld and just see one last time. So I really appreciated that performance a lot. Like that was my favorite out of all the yokai that were like the episodic yokai. So um, everybody else, I sort of remember, but don't remember anything interesting enough to point out for this episode. Um, but that is the peril of episodic anime. She is the girl who falls off the cliff. She's the one who I was like, oh, she's kind of bitchy. I really liked her when she's bitchy. Wasn't that her? If I'm right, she's the girl who falls off the cliff. They both fell off the cliff. No, she was, um... Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Everybody fucking dies in King's Game. Everybody fucking dies. Everybody fucking dies. Megan, how do you feel about these yokai? Uh, so... I, for one, was totally expecting the seal lady to pull a fucking Ursula and steal poor Amino's eyes. Don't no, underestimate fu- the power of body language. God damn it. God, that's... Could, I, I'm sorry. GG karaoke time is happening again. God, God I fucking missed up talk karaoke. <laughs> hey, Lord Reinhard. God damn it. Yes, yes, Kirsha. That's the. Is nothing gonna Can stop I talk you about now? The yokai. Can I talk nothing about the yokai? Stop us now. Except Steph. She was just dying on the floor. I have video. <laughs> oh. I I was dying on the floor. Oh, like God. I hope you put all of that in the vlog. Um, I put no, a so. Uh, Heather Walker is the seal. Uh, it was a little jarring for me because I had, I'm not used to her voice actually. So I was like, okay, do I like this? Do I think it's good? Do I think it's bad? So I'm a little bit like, I don't know where I stand on Heather Walker's performance. Uh, Anthony Bowling for some god awful reason I thought was Chuck Huber for like 20 minutes. Uh, good job. I'm dumb. But I really liked him as the, the horniest little bird. 
who was oh. he was adorable. He was doing his best. Uh, Gigi, I also love you, but that bird is your Patronus. I don't remember this at all. Like, I seriously... Okay, I, maybe her I thing, fell asleep through this episode. Her thing eh. was that she she falls in love with really attractive shit, but they, it can't see her. So she gets depressed and then curls up in a ball and won't let anyone talk to her. Oh, that sounds exactly like me. And then it, like, and then... Wait. Amino is the blonde one, right? Yes. Abano is the blonde Okay, one, yes. I'm only saying I don't know what their names are because I want to call them by their actors. So, like, they finally resolve their arc, Gigi, and then Amino comes up and she immediately gets horny for Amino. This, yep, this is true to, true to form. <laughs> She's also super fucking extra pretty. Like, I'm not gonna oh, lie. also like, true Anthony... to form. <laughs> no, like, you don't understand. There's Anthony Bowling's guy who is... No offense, he's kind of a fugly ass little yokai. And you're like, he's okay. Like the nerdy, he's like the nerdy best friend. Yeah, and then it's like, she comes out of the egg and she looks like this glorious, like, pinkish purple feather princess who's just horny for Amino. And I was like, damn. Damn, girl, you can get anything you want looking like that, including that jet engine, honey. <laughs> Let her loot the jet engine if she wants to loot the jet engine. God damn it. She, was watch- she, she really watched an episode of JJ the Jet Plane and thought it was JJ from Yuri and Ice's face on it instead, and that's why. God True to form. Anyway. So yeah, no, but no, Anthony was really great as like this, oh my god, help me water, please. And then like, God, I love, I love, I love, <laughs> I can't call him his actor's name so bad. I'm so bad with names. With Abino or Ashia? Ashia, where Ashia is like, dude, I was going to give them a honeymoon. What the fuck, Abino? <laughs> like I had this all planned. But no, he, my thing is this. Uh, I also I also want to really talk about Nobu in that Kent Williams does his best Dan Warren impression in that he sounded a lot like Caster from Fate Zero to me. So I was like, oh, God, this is going to end badly. I also called the fact that the dude was like best bros with the scarecrow, like the whole like eel wife thing. But my biggest thing with all the yokai, except for Anthony and Heather's. Is that, like I said, when I look away, a lot of the older guys at Funimation kind of sound the same. When you're not paying as much attention as you should be. And let me go with this. I was paying a lot of attention to it, but when you put them all in one room at one point, I was like, holy shit, I need you to color. I need color coded fucking subtitles for (laughs) y'all. I do remember that at the end when they all got in the same room and I was like, what the fuck? I just, I, my only sadness was that they did not give uh, Spiky a voice, because Spiky x Fluffy OTP. Also, me, I want to point out that the one line that Fluffy ever speaks in the show is Dawn. Is it really? Yeah, it is Dawn. Yeah, it's Dawn Bennett. Fuzzy. Fuzzy is Dawn. Dawn plays Fuzzy. She's a good girl. Fuzzy, I want, like, 10,000 Fuzzies. I want to. S- oh my god! If there's a plush of Fuzzy, I will buy that. <laughs> Look here, I will make my own fucking Fuzzy plush. Fuzzy um, is cute. But that's all I have to say about the, the yokai. They were all very. They were all really good for episodic characters. Um, it's my own stupid fault that I can't tell a lot of the older guys apart. See, I think unlike you guys, I actually was paying attention. <laughs> so obviously, okay, I, could I was tell paying who was attention who. for like a lot of the show. But shut up. 
<laughs> but um, I en I enjoyed a lot of these performances. Uh, God, I'm gonna go in order as best I can with the notes I wrote down. So I'm gonna start with Big Boss Scree, our Bruce Elliot. He gives Scree kind of an otherworldly tone to him. Like you can tell that there's slight menacing to his tone of voice. You can tell that he has he's kind of endearing, has a little bit of charm to him, and I enjoy that a lot. Um, Randy Perlman, as a mask man over here, uh, gives a monotone voice to the character uh, that has no emotion, but it's kind of required, all things considered, with this kind of yokai here. Uh, but when he puts on the mask, it's kind of adorable because he gets to kind of... Because the laughs, that the happy laughs, the crying, the anger, it almost seems like it's kind of hammed up a tiny bit, which I can appreciate that choice. I wrote that Anthony is just too adorable and precious as Jomatsu. Kind of like the dorky sidekick best friend like I was describing earlier. Uh, and it's very, very cute. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Um, Heather Walker kind of has a regal air to her that I think makes Tomani, Tomani very wonderful. It's not, it's just, it's not like a quiet presence because she is very soft-spoken for most of the arc. Um, but there's this air of like sophisticated, elegant kind of presence that I think shines very, shines through quite a bit with Tomani. Um, I actually didn't write anything for Steve Howell's Mondro. Uh, but he was a lot of fun. Uh, Ken Williams, though. So here's the thing. I watched this show twice now. Both times in the dub. The first time I watched the show and I got Tenobu, I started calling bullshit. Because I was like, who is this? I can't, I don't know who this is. This is very unrecognizable. I look it up. Kent Williams, I'm like, no. No. You motherfucker. No! <laughs> I'm calling some bullshit right now. It's like, I really enjoyed it, because... Because at this stage, we're used to Kent Williams in a very specific tone. Which is more of a mature, a lot of times authoritative kind of figure. Nobu, he is not any of those things. He is very, very, he's kind of childlike. He's kind of, he's a bit more high-pitched. And it's a lot of fun to see Kent Williams basically, to me, be almost unrecognizable in this role. And I enjoy it a lot. Um, but yeah, all of these, as brief of they, as brief of performances and appearances as these are, they are all a lot of fun in their own little ways. Are we good to move on? Yes. Let's talk about the parental figures. We have we have two parental figures we see sporadically throughout the series. We have Ashia's mother, Nara Ashia, and then we have Zenko's dad. We have Tatsuma Fujiwara. Uh, Ashia's mother, Nara, is a florist, runs her own flower shop, and, uh, half the time her dialogue is speaking in the language of the flowers, which is a very fun little quirk that this person gets to play off of. As for Tatsuma Fujiwara, he is a, uh, like a head monk at this shrine of sorts that he's in charge of. Uh, very, very strict, very, very protective of Zenko. Which is very evident when he starts yelling at Ashi and Abano on a frequent basis. Uh, so, the individuals playing these characters as Nara Ashi Ashia, 
We have Miss Stephanie Young, who has been in series such as Attack on Titan, Claymore, and Show by Rock. And as for Tatsuma Fujiwara, this is played by Mr. Brandon Potter, who has been in series such as Carnival, Michiko and Hotchin, and as... Wow, I'm blanking. I... I was like, I wrote One Piece, and I forgot who he was. He's Shanks. I'm stupid. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> God damn it! Alright, Gigi, how do you feel about Stephanie Young and Brandon Potter as these parental figures? They were alright. <laughs> the mom... Um, I really like Stephanie Young in... Code Realize. And uh, I really thought she was very regal there. This is a completely different character from that. This mom's kind of ditzy. She doesn't know what to say a lot. Um, and she does, you know, do most of her dialogue giving the names of flowers because she doesn't really know how to express things any other way. Um, it was okay. I think the first episode I was like really kind of tuned out to it just because I didn't get the connection between her voice and the character. But I think as the show went on, I got more tuned into it. Um, Zenko's dad... He had a lot of different facets he had to go through because he had all those um, yokai masks on, you know, because this is yokai watch. And uh, it was all right. I didn't like the parts towards the end where he kept calling Ashia the wrong name and was like yelling at him. And I was like, I don't buy this. But that may have been, again, something where the voice didn't match up like to the weird animation that was going on and the strange character design. Um, but it was fine. They parents, yo. I mean, they're not DILFs. It's not a DILF. It's not a MILF. So I can't cry over it if, like if David Wald were in this anime or anything. There's your shout out, boo. <laughs> God damn it. Megan, how do you feel about Stephanie and Brandon's performances? Uh, I was expecting Brandon to literally take a shotgun and put it to poor, uh, to, to the poor boy's heads. Yes. Like, damn, Brandon Potter's guy was like, okay, look, you know the old shotgun wedding type things? Oh, God. Yeah, I was expecting that man to, like, put down a can of Bud Light and put a gun to Ashia's head. He probably would have done that on several occasions if Zenigo didn't threaten to go tell... Her mother told her mom which good job good i would like to thank the fujiwara household for letting the mom be in in charge thank god bitches get shit done uh no they were fine i don't really have a lot to say on each of them though i will give brandon a lot of credit for having to do a lot of those laughing and say some very serious threatening lines and still be kind of funny about it but i feel bad in that they didn't really leave a huge impression on me like character wise um, they just kind of aren't really the focus of the show, except for, like, the times you go over to Zenko's house. Or you see Ashia with his mom, but you don't really see Ashia and his mom a lot, so... They were, they were, they were fine, but they just didn't leave a huge, a super huge impression on me. Yeah, these two are parents that exist in this world. Um, <coughs> in terms of Stephanie Young as, um, Mama Ashia, um... Like Gigi was saying, this is very different than what we're used to hearing Stephanie Young as. She's usually the mature, kind of the cool woman figure, similar to what she's done in Code Realize, similar to, I think, the closest in my mind in terms of recent memory that Stephanie Young is to this is probably KK, actually, in Blood Blood K Battlefront. 
Especially when season two, when we really get to see her interact with her family and her being an actual mom. Um, but Nara Ashia is, is very quirky in her own right. Like I was saying, she speaks using the language of the flowers. And it's a fun little tick and little gag that's used whenever she's there. And I think it's adorable. It's very different than what I'm used to hearing Stephanie do. <clears throat> and then Brandon, I'm going to agree on two different points that each of you have just said. I'm going to agree with Megan and give him credit where credit is due with the whole bit with the laughing mask that's attached to him and trying to say these very serious and threatening lines to Ashia while laughing his ass off uncontrollably. I have to give him credit there. Uh, but I also have to agree with Gigi on some points where it didn't seem like it would fit at times where he was angry, threatening, uh, and yelling all the time. And I, th and part of it might've been the actual animation itself and trying to match that. But on, uh, Brandon did his goddamnedest on this one. And it was still a lot of fun. It's just, there were moments after the, um, the mask incident where I did get taken out of it a little bit, um, of the character and the performance. But otherwise than that, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I think we're good to actually talk, go more in-depth in with, uh, these characters, because we got, let's see, one, two, three, at least four sections to go, but two of them are individuals anyway. So, are we ready to move on? Is it time to talk about why we're all here? <laughs> Your TED Talk. Welcome to Megan's TED Talk on how I want to become a newt. Alright, so we're going to talk about a few major characters in the underworld that we encounter on several occasions. So we have Cora, who runs this uh, medicine shop where she creates different medicines for yokai. And... <laughs> God damn it. She, she She's an apothecary. She's an apothecary. Apothecary. That's the correct phrase. Thank you. But, um... <laughs> she, she has a... She's a bit quirky in her own right because she, uh wants to take the parts of every, any, everyone and everything and just turn them into Hey, medicine. Gigi, this is where Ursula is in this show. Don't underestimate the power of Cora language? God damn it. Don't I underestimate don't the power of lesbians! Just your voice. <laughs> what, what poor unfortunate yokai. Oh, but no, you have such beautiful eyes. I want to just take them and cut them up so thinly and put them into my medicine. And Ashia, your beautiful ears, can I buy them as a set? What? <laughs> this sounds like the BL I didn't want to see. <laughs> I love- Man, this yokai watch X I know Kusabi crossover is God very strange. <laughs> there it is! There it is! Oh no. <laughs> oh, end me. I'm going home. <laughs> Ashia, I'm gonna use you as furniture. God, no, no, no! Stop! Oh, God! Uh. <laughs> uh. So, while Megan deals with uh, that furniture over there in the corner, uh, <laughs> the other two characters Keeps we're gonna talk moaning. about- Keeps moaning. Damn it. The other two characters we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about uh, Shizuku, who is Korra's assistant in the apothecary shop 
uh, who is also a newt. And a giant lesbian. <laughs> who's, um, who is a little newt disguised as a girl and who is also a giant lesbian who has a thing for Korra. And we're also going to talk about her older brother, the legislator. Holy shit. Who, yes. is, also, who is also a newt and his, uh, who resides uh, at Newt Lake, I believe Daddy. it is called. And, um... Holy shit. He's hot. <laughs> so, so how the underworld works, there are three big people in terms of who's in charge of shit. The legislator, the justice, and the executor. Um, in terms of the legislator, he is the one who makes a bunch of rules and shit for people to follow. Uh, and he's also very, by very good by. He's very, by very good By the by. So if Josh is the legislator, which one gets to be Tatum and which one gets to be Bevins? I haven't even got to who plays the legislator yet, you little shit. Oh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> anyway, on that notion, she just spoiled it outright. As the legislator, legislator, we have Josh Greeley, who has been in series such as The Ancient Magus Bride, Dagon Rampa, and My Hero Academia. As Shizuku, we have Sarah Wheatenheft, who has been in series such as Hyoka, Orange, and Trickster, and probably more importantly in this situation, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And Thank then, you! I didn't put that in, and I was like, before Megan kills me. And as Korra, we have Janelle Lutz, who has also been in the Agent Magus Bride. She's also in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Dinuthesis, and Luck and Logic. Gigi, can you start us off? What do you think of Janelle, Sarah, and Josh's performances here? I'm bringing sexy Josh. Oh my god. No. All right. Which one of us doesn't want to fuck the newt? Actually, it's me because I, number one, didn't realize it was Josh Greeley until I read the credits. Oh. Uh, I just wanted to call him sexy Josh because it's been a hot minute since I've gotten to to recognize sexy Josh or his sexiness. I mean, uh, yes. other than that, like, I didn't get the huge sexy Josh impression like everybody else he's, did, apparently. He's hot. The character design is hot. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not a, I'm a different kind of girl. You'll see. Look, I, okay, shortly. look, I've got a thing for guys in yukatas, okay? <laughs> I know As you do. As evident by probably she still has her eye in a yukata on her Udafri. Actually, I'm no. Guessing. He's in his signing superstars thing on the print stage, waiting until I can put him in the right outfit. Can I- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Here's the funny part. I have Ragey, and he's in a fucking Yukata. <laughs> I switched to Animal Run, who doesn't have the animals in his... Because, <laughs> of course, you would. In his robot form. Anyway, um, yeah, I didn't get... I mean, I thought it was a good performance, and I'm really kind of excited that I couldn't recognize him, because usually I can pick Josh Greeley out of a crowd, uh, but I couldn't hear for some reason. Um, I did like his character. I, I'm i not a huge fan of the character design, but, I, I mean, I got the, the sexy Josh part out of it. Just wasn't... It was a good performance. It's not my favorite character. Um, Cora, she is a good girl. We like Cora. I think Cora might be best girl. I'm pretty down with her. I feel her on a spiritual kind of yandere level. Oh God, so she's a, she's a, she's a good girl. Um, I actually know. I really like that the levels that she went there because she didn't take it like too crazy. Um, while I was watching this, I was kind of having um. Oh my God, Kakur- not Kakurio. Jesus Christ, what's the Kakurio? name of the an- um with the the girl, the crazy girls? Oh, which one? Oh, uh, the one that I oh the the gambling one. 
that I, you know, love. Oh, Kakigurui. Uh, Thank Kaki you. I too many, like too many K words. I was kind of having Kakigurui flashbacks where I was like, okay, she should be at this level, but actually it's like three steps below Kakigurui. And I thought she hit that level and didn't go above to be stupid crazy like I wanted out of Kakigurui. So I thought she like hit a really good level in her crazy but not so crazy performance there. So I was very pleased. Plus, she is best girl. She's a good girl. She knows what she wants. She, like, owns that house. She owns the apothecary. That's right. She um, had to pronounce the word. Apothecary? <laughs> Look, I've been up <laughs> since 1.30 this morning. <laughs> then whose fault is that? You were probably trying to tear an Udupi, right? No, I was actually in terrible pain, but thanks for reminding me that I could have been cheering an Oudipri. God damn it. Shit, uh, Steph. Wow. Um, as for little dragon maid girl, I actually kind of like this. I thought she was pretty cute, too. Like, she wasn't annoying. Like, I thought it could have gotten to levels of annoying because just like if you're looking at the character, the character looks like she could be annoying, but the voice wasn't annoying. So that made me happy. And plus, I liked her little crazy moments where she was like, oh my God, my eyes are better. Why doesn't she like me more? And I was like, girl, I feel like you on my a sp- body. Like, I feel you on a spiritual level. So like, I really thought that all three of these performances were on the right levels. And that made me happy because they didn't go overboard and they weren't underplayed to the point of I where I did wouldn't have felt that the, the voice actor was caring enough about the character of the performance so I thought they hit the right levels here so a a for effort friends a for effort Megan how do you feel about these performances so I'm going to start off with uh our favorite little lesbian um <laughs> uh, what's her god I feel really bad that I don't have character names up right now so but I agree with Gigi that she could have been super, super annoying. And I'm really happy that Steph did end up bringing up Dragon Maid. You're welcome. Because uh, that is immediately what my brain snapped to. I was like, oh, this is when you just called- Toru. See, Megan called me earlier and when we were chatting I'm for getting a couple to minutes, that story. This, was, this is one of those things you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, she's a coup. So, I, I thought she was adorable. She was, like Gigi said, she was the right level of absolutely crazy. That if you would have gone a little bit too, uh, like, too over, it would have uh, fucked, it would have fucked up the performance and made it a little bit obnoxious. Especially against Janelle Lutz's Cora, who is very, like, even-toned and calm, yet a little bit psycho and you kind of don't want to touch her. Because she'll probably see your nails and be like, shit, that'd be good medicine. And I really like Janelle's too. Um, oh god, I'm blanking on who the fuck she plays in Maggot's Bride. It's, um, she's, um... Is she Dr. Shannon? No, she's... Give me a second, I'll find it. Because <clears throat> I've been an open... Angelica. That's right! She's Angelica, who is... That's, I was on the same level. I was like, is she, or is she, like, oh God, it was, it was messing with me. And then I was like, oh, right. She's the other adult figure in Chise's life that is like telling her not to do bad, awful things. Yes. <laughs> so she's the other person in that. That's who it was. Um, 
So I really liked her, and it was a, a, a performance that was a departure from Angelica, too, from Ancient Megan's Bride, which was really great, because, again, I'm not super familiar with Janelle Watts' performances. Um, I thought she was great. I like that Gigi brings up, like, the levels of Yandere that people can do, and how, like, if you go over it too much, you'll kind of spoil the broth. Like, too many... Too many cooks? Too oh many cooks? Too many Too many yandere's? You too many yandere's. Nice. Too many, too many yandere's. yandere's cut up the broth. And spoil the broth. Too many yandere's cut up the boy and put him into the broth. God damn it. Tasty. Mmm. Mmm. We're gonna have some stewed dick tonight. Um, oh god. God. God, no. I was... God, no. I... Like, okay, so Andrew, I guess, had called me about something last night, and I was talking about how I think I saw this art online of, like, Zack from Angels of Death. And I was like, oh, is somebody making a Zack Dakimakura? And he goes, the only way that that would be successful is if it smelled of formaldehyde, and I immediately just started screaming because that's disgusting. You know it's not disgusting? You know it's not disgusting? What? <laughs> the legislator. <laughs> Even though he is technically a chain-smoking alcoholic womanizer... He's really hot. Uh, and I actually didn't also believe that was Josh for a long time. I was like, that's a lie. That's not Josh Greeley. She called me. I was like, that's bullshit. Did she really call you? She called yes! me. Yes. No, she called me um, when she first heard, because the first time we hear the legislator. First time you hear him is through, through the, the, ta is through tad the tadpole phone, phone. The tadpole phone yeah. when he's talking to Cora. Yeah. Um, she called me immediately, I think, after she heard that, and she's like, that is not Josh. You are fucking lying to me. I'm like, that's Josh. <laughs> Keep watching, bitch. Well, Keep no, watching. because I didn't think it would be. Because, like, okay, I would have never thought you were going to match, of all people, to play a Junichi Suwabe character, Josh Greeley. I feel kind <laughs> of cheated now because we all know who it should have been. Ian? Yep. No, because Josh also is perfectly be, fine. I'm very No, he is really yeah, fine, no, but, but you know, Junie. Fuck no, because Josh was great, and I love him as hot Newt Daddy. <laughs> Newt Daddy? God damn it. Newt Daddy. Daddy. Newt Daddy. Pull my tail, it just grows right back. God damn it. Oh my god. <laughs> she turned me into a newt, and don't turn me back, I don't want to get better. Oh god. By the way, it's I'm also very sad at you, Steph, for not getting my very, very good Yuri Kuma joke. I hate you. No, I understood your Yuri Kuma joke. <laughs> but you, again, you spoiled the whole thing with Josh because I hadn't well, said anything. You can talk now while I lust over Newt Daddy and have my boyfriend stare at me. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, harder, Newt Daddy. You can choke me, but I can breathe underwater. Oh, are are you good? Yes. Okay. Are you sure? I'm sure I'm good. Okay. This will only embarrass me for the rest of my life, and at my wedding, you can play a highlight of me blusting over fictional anime characters. <laughs> Renjin Guji plays the Newt Daddy, Megan. God damn it. I know he plays the Newt Daddy! <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, I am here for Junichi Suwabe playing Newt Daddy. God damn Renjin go, go, K Crab, K Rab, do you hear my please? Newt <laughs> Daddy Renjin Guji outfit. In a newt outfit. Fit. God damn it! <laughs> oh shit! Hey Gigi, guess what I learned? You might want to go 
of the Japanese. Yeah, I think I might have to. No, because Abuna was played by Camu. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. This just turned into Japanese dub talk. BRB in four hours and 30 minutes. No, it's turned into sub talk. Get it right. Oh, sorry. I wasn't on that episode. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Oh, shit. Is that guy also... Wait, which brother is he in Brothers Conflict now? Oh, no. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, shit! Haha! -ha! He's the one I like! Suck it, biatch! God damn it. Anyway, are you good? Me yeah, cool. I'm just gonna go through Tomo uh, Tomoaki Mano's uh, Wikipedia page while you talk. Oh, God. Alright. Jesus, I'm trying not to die of laughter right now. <laughs> Alright, so... In order, I'm going to start with Janelle. Uh, Janelle has a very mature charm to her as Korra. Um, it's also mixed with slight, subtle, what I call mad scientist vibes. Because um, the, the woman will try and take your body parts and just makes medicine because she fucking can. <laughs> like, this is how I roll. Like, I want your eyes. Can I have your eyes? I will make a beautiful medicine out of that. And how about your ears? They come in a set, right? I'm gonna take them. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm still slowly getting used to Janelle Lutz's range, because I'm more familiar with her as Angelica as well in Ancient Magus Bride. Uh, but this this is very similar in tone. It just also has that subtle, that subtle vibe where it's like, there's something going on underneath this person. I don't know what it is, but... I don't know if I want to stay near her, <laughs> but, um, anyway. Uh, Sarah, as Shizuku, is very, very adorable. And is a lot of fun. And is very much a, the jealous type. Pining away over Korra, and it's probably some of the funniest shit you'll see in the show. Um, going into Josh as the legislator. Uh, I think when I first watched this show... <laughs> Uh, I think it was at least a couple months ago. I know it was before we went to Anime Fest when I first watched it. When I got to the part with the tadpole, uh, the tadpole phone, I was like, this sounds very familiar. I wonder who this is. And then we actually get to see the legislator, and he actually starts talking. I'm like, oh, it's Josh. I haven't heard him pull off a very, very mature character with this kind of appeal in a while. Huh. Okay, I, I'm, in, I'm into this. I'm down. Like, he shows... He shows a lot of strength and maturity as a legislator, but he also has that childlike quality to him because he's very mischievous at times. He likes he likes to screw with Abano on a frequent basis. It's very funny. Um, and another another one I just found so hilarious um, that got brought up when, they when we first meet him. And I will read this as I wrote it. Josh is so disappointed about underage drinking because because he, he's like Ashia next Abano next time let's have a drink together and Ashia's like um no I'm underage he's like oh yeah I forgot about that rule in the mundane world about underage drinking please he was so upset dumb talk PSA do not get 15 year olds drunk you don't want to deal with that shit no do not get minors drunk that is not a fun time uh do not let I you can't go back to prison. Do not let your legislators get minors trunk. Your newt legislators, no. Um, but yeah, like the performance, the, all these, all three of these performances, since they are, they have at least a little bit more larger roles. They are a lot of fun to me, and I enjoy them immensely. Uh, 
Are we good to move on, or is Megan about to jump yes. in with something else? No, I'm good. You sure? Yes. Cool. So let's move on to our next two characters. We have Zenko Fujiwara, who is the daughter of a priest or shrine, someone who oversees a shrine. Uh, she also goes to the same same high school, excuse me, I almost said middle school, as uh, Ashia and Abano. Uh, and she's calls on them a couple of times. Uh, in one instance, because she gets bitten by this dog-like creature, dog-fox-like creature, named our other character we're discussing now, Yahiko, uh, who actually knows Abano from many years ago. They used to play together. Uh, and ya uh, Yahiko is very mischievous little little yokai. Mischievous like a child and like a fox. And it's very adorable, honestly. So, <clears throat> as voicing Zenko Fujiwara, we have Miss Danny Chambers, who most notably is known at, for portraying Chisei in the Ancient Magus Prime. Uh, but she's also gotten major roles in a couple of shows from the summer season, uh, primarily two that we're not talking about, uh, Island and Lord of Vermilion. As for Yahiko, we have Miss Brittany Lada coming into play here, who has been in series such as Castletown, Dandelion, My First Girlfriend is a Gal, and Tokyo Ghoul 3. GG, would you like to go first? It's, it's time, fam. It's time to get your prayer circle and your halos out. Damn it, here we go. To talk about the goddess whose name is Brittany Lotta. Here we go. You know, we all know that Audrey from Honey Pop is my wife. She is the best girl in Honey Pop, and I will hear no arguments because she likes to call me a bitch, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> However, other other than that waifu material... Um, can I just say that this little fox thing is my favorite time I've ever heard Brittany Lotta voice act? Really? <laughs> Number really? one, I didn't recognize her. So that's good. Because I, you know, normally I can pick out people. But, um, yeah, I was like, this is really cute and mischievous and kind of jerky. And I was like, I like this little fox. I think the fox is going to be the best boy. I feel it in my heart and soul. And then I looked at the credits and I was like, oh shit, the fox is a goddess that is one yokai to watch. So, <laughs> I, yes. I mean, I mean, like, ser seriously, no, no joke. This, yeah, I think it actually kind of does trump Honey Pop. Um, that this is my favorite Britney Lotta performance I've ever heard voice acting wise from her. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So and I, I know usually you have problems with like little, little children, yep. especially like little boys. So that's interesting. I, I do have a ton of issues with people trying to do little boy voices. So when I hear a really good one, I have to give it credit and props where credit is due because this character again had a lot of levels to it and it had levels that would take it to the crazy yandere spectrum and it would have levels that you know would just make it kind of annoying i didn't get annoying i didn't get crazy yandere which was good um what i got is a little lonely fox boy who was kind of a dick but just wanted people to play with him and i was like this is really great so i have to give mad props to the goddess herself because it was really good and I'm very very happy and surprised 
So I like it when I can be surprised by people's performances. So bravo, goddess. You are the goddess. Um, who is the other person we were talking about? Danny Chambers. Danny Chambers. Okay, Zenko. so I thought Zenko was like in the 9 to 11 age range until she showed up at the school. Now, is she actually a student at this school? Yes, yes she is. She's the same age as them. I thought it was played way too young. I literally thought 9 to 11, like around the same age as the fox when he was like a fox boy and when Abano was a kid. To be fair, I think the problem is the character design because she's very yes. small in stature. She's, she's, very, she's very tiny. I got really young girl. Not to say that the acting was bad because it wasn't. The acting was very good. I felt it was very understated as this character was kind of an understated character. She was just like, yeah, my dad's a crazy dad. I live in this weirdo shrine and this yokai bit me. I don't know what to do with my life, but please help me. And I like, I kind of liked that quality about it. Like the little stoic-ish quality to the performance. Um, I just thought that with the character design and the tone of Danny's voice, that it sounded very young and okay. not teenager to me but i thought it was really good performance just i thought it was very young sounding I mean, um that's, which that's fair give yeah it's me, not it's not a it's not a bad thing because again young characters annoy me like people trying to do young character voices annoy me and this did not annoy me like i thought it was very appropriate especially since i thought the character was like 10 years old but <laughs> i mean it was good good job Good job to everyone around. Fox's best boy. I'm. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> this is G. This has been Gigi's TED talk. Oh about my! How much actually... she wants to have a, a little fox boy in her life. I just like. I just want a pet that won't make me sneeze and a yokai fox that doesn't exist and just wants to play a lot. I think would do the job. I would buy the plush. Meanwhile, I, I, I also would buy the plush. I would also buy the plush, <laughs> but primarily I would buy the plush of Fuzzy first. So, uh, Megan, how do you feel about Danny and Brittany's performances? Hide sake! Sorry. Um, that was the worst impression ever. By the way, before we start, I would actually like to point out that in the Japanese version that um, Yakiho is played by Pikachu. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. So, uh, congratulations, Brittany Lauda, on playing uh, a very, very strange-looking Pikachu. Pikachu! Pikachu! No, I loved Brittany Lauda in this, and I, I didn't know if I was or not, because when I had heard the previews a little while ago for this, uh, when this series was first coming out, I was like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. Because this character screams a lot. Yeah. And is a very bratty child. He's very whiny. <laughs> He, he's a little fucking brat. I didn't get which, annoyed by it, though. But I'm not annoyed by it because he's he's fun and it's what's needed, especially when he's... I very much like the fact that he is always put together near Zenko or um, Amino, who as characters are a lot more stoic and sour pussy. Fuck. That's, that's a great way to describe those two. <laughs> no, I said the word pussy. God damn it! Get out! I'm sorry, I'm five. I Amino is wrong. Five year old. old. You are clearly the five year old right now. I am. I am the five year old in this episode. Um, 
Also, be I'm staring at a picture of the legislator looking seductively at me. Because <laughs> of course you fucking would. Don't lewd the newt. Why? <laughs> the tail comes off. You can satisfy yourself with the tail alone. God damn Don't it! Lewd. And it will grow back. <laughs> It's the gift that <laughs> keeps on giving. I've read Dojin about this. <laughs> I win. Thank you for coming to my dub talk. Thank, Thank you for coming to Gigi's TED talk. Alexa, this is so sad. Play the Monty Python of the Holy Grail soundtrack. <laughs> How do you know you were a newt? I'll call better. Anyway, no. You think I'm lying about the whole fanfiction thing, but I have read, like, okay, so some girl online does, like, a really kind of coolish, like, Yuri and Ice Mermaid, like, AU. And I've read some shit about, like, people with... <laughs> Fuck! Damn it! This is not my fetish. This no. is not my no. king. No, but at people all. were like, people were like, oh, what if Yuri has a tentacle that just comes off and stays lodged in it? I'm like, okay! Oh my god. That's where I draw the bullshit line. Also, my friend on my like, little Discord just goes, I'm behind on internet threat treads. What the hell is a newt daddy? <laughs> Guys, oh, through all these hundred plus episodes of Dub Talk, you've always wondered what my kink was not. It's, it's this. Not this. It's not detachable tail dicks. Anyway, back on topic. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brittany and Danny. You're probably the two people in the show who listen to this. God, that's true. <laughs> She's not wrong. Fuck. We're so sorry. I'm going to have to explain myself to Danny. I am so sorry. <laughs> I forgot. Shit, I totally we forgot so that her new daddy is better than your new daddy. God damn it. <laughs> There are no other new daddies. He's the only one. I'll find you one. Give me ten minutes. Jesus. Jesus. Christ. Do we have to fuck off? Wait, wait, wait. Do wait, I wait. even want to know? Does anyone need to go? Yes. In the, hold on. Does anyone need to go in the hallway real quick? No, Not God. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ! None of them are vampires. <laughs> Camo isn't here for Gigi. God damn it. Actually, well, actually. <laughs> Why is Alucard from Symphony of the Night here? Anyway, back on top topic. No, so I really I, I really do have to agree with Gigi that Brittany Loudy is actually probably one of the, the better little boy people who play little boys um, that I've seen too. Um, she's under, I think she's underutilized in this, at least at Funimation. Kind of like, of all people, like Caitlin Glass is because Caitlin Glass was baby Kirschice and I thought she was fantastic. Uh and then Danny I I I find it hard to agree. I do I do feel like I do feel like Gigi is correct in that Zenko is played really young, but I think that's the character design's fault. Because God Zenko and Chise are like 15, 16 themselves and Chise sounds like much more like a 16 year old than than Zenko does and they're the same actress. But I think it's just because that's what the character played for. It's like, oh, everyone keeps mistaking her as a child, so play her younger. And it's not a bad performance. And I do also like that she's a lot more deadpan. <laughs> like, she's more deadpan than Amino to me 
but she also isn't as exuberant as Ashia, who I finally got the name right of after like an hour. (laughs) But they were both, they were both really good and they do play to something I feel overall about the show is that their performances are really easy to listen to. Like, because they're in a sense where I think like a lot of the show where like, if you do a little too much or too little, the performance just doesn't work. Mm Mm-hmm. So I liked it a lot. So Steph, go ahead and stop looting this section. <laughs> hey, look here. You started it. Gigi took it and ran with it. <laughs> with the new daddy in the tail. She took it and just went. Do not loot the fox child or the Zenko. <laughs> I'm not I'm- looting it. I just <laughs> want the plush. <laughs> I just want I know, the plush I do want a fuzzy. Okay, legit though, if like they made like actually of all things I would love a Nendroid of, um, of Yakio. Like, I would actually think that Yakio would be a great Nendo. That would be really oh, yeah. cute, actually. Yep. He would be really, like, especially because you can change his, their faces. And he has, like, a lot of, like, I'm not gonna lie that I actually love when he opens his eyes and they are fucking creepy. Yeah. Oh, God, that scared the shit out of me. Those little moments. Yeah, no, I was like, oh, my God, he's, this thing is gonna actually kill them. Yes. I was like, I turned into an episode of Tokyo Ghoul. I need to run. God damn it. It's funny because Britney's Misa. (laughs) Britney's Misa. It's even funnier because technically this was animated by a spinoff of the studio that animates Tokyo Ghoul. Yes, it's funny. (coughs) Anyway, so, God, how am I going to start this? So... I'm going to start with Danny as Zenko, and a lot of the things you both said I can actually really agree with, um, because Zenko is supposed to be this 14, 15, 16-year-old girl, uh, but she does sound a lot younger, and again, that's more on the fault of the character design more than anything. Uh, I'm assuming Zenko may not have hit puberty yet at this stage, um, so that's probably why, <laughs> but uh, Danny has a good sense... If I had to place Zenko into a kind of trope as a character in terms of the characters that she interacts with, she has a sense of realism and maturity to her compared to Ashia, who's just energetic and full of heart. And then you have Abano, who's... If I had to describe him... Abano can be a very black and white person. Um, and you can tell he's clearly like the brains of the operation. Zenko is what would happen if you kind of mix some of their personality traits together, though mostly keeping Abano, uh, and you get Zenko. So I appreciate Danny's realism and maturity that she pulls out of Zenko. Um, and she has slight skepticism, but she also does kind of she does also does believe in what goes on she knows that there's other things going on out there um and she's willing she has a sense of curious she has this curiosity and she wants to discover and all see these all things and as for britney as yahiko um i'm very much again i'm gonna be agreeing with what you guys said britney is very mischievous showing both the sly qualities of a fox as well as the childlike mischievous qualities of a kid like throwing it all together into one thing and you have yahiko yahiko 
at first may come off as obnoxious because Yahiko is a bit of a brat. Like, bar none. Yahiko's a brat. But the more you watch the performance, you see that there's more to Yahiko than just being this spoiled little brat and just wanting to play all the damn time. He he has his reasons, he has his own methods, he is this sly fox, and he is he's more intelligent than what you were led to believe at first glance. And I appreciate that Brittany is able to play these different sides of Yahiko rather well. Um, I also think that this is probably my favorite little boy sounding character because it actually does sound like a little boy. <laughs> like, I was gonna say, is this your favorite Brittany Lotta character? But then I was like, oh wait, you're the one who's actually sat through all of Frank's. Yes, and I do love, I, 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 I do love Ichigo. <laughs> I, she's a good character. Um, though, Ichigo did nothing wrong, you cocks! Ichigo did nothing wrong. Ichigo is best girl. Uh, fuck you, fight me. <laughs> wait, w- wait. Didn't watch it, don't know what you're talking about. Just to, just agree with us that she's the best character in the show. <laughs> sure. It's your goddess, Brittany Lada, so by default. The goddess your is best, the goddess. Put on your, your best hand. character by default. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I enjoy both of these performances. They bring, they're very different in their own right from what I've heard these two actresses perform previously, and I appreciate that. Um, though, to be fair, Danny Chambers' Zenko is fairly close to Chisei, except, um, like Megan was saying, Chisei is definitely a lot more older sounding as, like, a 15, 16 year old girl compared to Zenko, but the fault on Zenko really again comes down to the character design more than anything. And that's what, and her settling younger to fit that frame is probably what the what this calls for, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Are we good to move on? We got two characters left. I found his skull. Can I keep it? No, put it back. Why? Because I said so. Why? You don't need it. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> Speaking of dads, um, so we're going to talk about our last two characters individually. We're going to start off with Haruitsuki Abano, who is the master of the Mononokian, who is uh, this exorcist going around helping poor, poor yokai trying to get to the underworld uh, and who has to deal with the five-year-old child known as Ashia on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> Haruitsuki, as kind of what I was describing before, if I had to pin personalities for Haruitsuki and Ashia, like, basic, like, basic trope characteristics, um, Haruitsuki to me is, has a very black and white personality, and he's the brains of the operation. Um, I'll, I'll describe Ashia when we get to him, though. Uh, as Haruitsuki Abano... Uh, we have one Mr. Jason Lebrecht, who has been in series such as Cardcaptor Sakura, Clear Card, Noragami, and Prince of Stride Alternative. Shut your mouth. <laughs> We're not- you don't bring up the last one. Gigi, do you want to go first? Oh, look. Look, fam. Looks like that train is pulling out of the station. Excuse me while I put my conductor hat on. Here we go. Choo-choo, motherfuckers, the salt train is on the move. Oh, look, another anime where Jason Liebrecht plays my best boy. 
I'm pausing for dramatic effect. <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn You know, I have fucking, this happens to me all the time. And I say it every time that I don't have a hate boner against Jason Liebrecht. I just have this thing where I wonder why every time in every anime he plays my best boy. Um, however, in this anime, it's a case of I don't know who else would have played this character. So this is like in Noragami where he was super great and I had nothing horrible to say or bad to say or no salt to you know throw. Like it's a wedding and we're freaking throwing birdseed at a bride or something. What? I don't know. That's a thing that people do. Yeah. No, I know, but I, I, I'm like, wait, where did the analogy come that's how from? You, that's how you train the... That, okay, that's how you train the... If you don't like the bride, you hope that they have, like, the pigeon release that you throw the bird seeds <laughs> over them so that they go attack the bitch. God damn it. Wow. Okay. Why, my pretties? God damn. Okay. Anyway. Well, anyway, um, this is a case where I actually am going to take the hat off and I'm going to put brakes on this train and I'm just going to stop it. We're just going to rest for a while at the station because I am not salty that Jason Liebrecht plays my best boy. I'm actually kind of thrilled about it because he does a really great job at playing this deadpan character who just is like, give me my money. Give me a fucking assistant who knows what the fuck he's doing. But then at the end, turns around just slightly to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt back when the chips are down for his boy toy. So uh, welcome to the BL Yokai Watch. Actually, you know, I'm not like super in like <laughs> this name of our Skype call right now <laughs> is Ashia X Avino OTP. <laughs> You're welcome. And like, I really like, I didn't get the huge BL undertones. I got some of them, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't I like this is an episode of free or something. So I was just like, okay, that's cute. It's cool. Um, but as soon as I saw Abano, I was like, this is mine. This one is mine. I will take him and we're gonna go out into the hallway. It'll be a fun time. Um and I I couldn't recognize the voice actor because you'll find out in a couple minutes that the reason I wanted to watch this anime was because of the person who plays Ashia. So I was like, I don't know who this is. Let me look at the credits. Son of a bitch. But then I wasn't sad about it, which is the best part. The best thing I can probably say because I think Jason Liebrecht is a good actor. I really do. And I, I know why people think I have a hate boner for him, but I really don't. I just find it fucking hysterical that he always seems to end up playing my best boys. Um, and in this case, you know, I have no salt about it. He does a great job. I think that Abano at points is sort of one dimensional, but it's fine because he can play him off in that way where if he just like turns the tone of his voice just a little bit or puts a little lilt into something or like a little eh in there somewhere, you can tell that there's like something hiding behind his stoicism, which is great. So, um, A plus on the non-existent salt train that's happening right now. 
And I can't believe he's fucking played by Camus in Japanese. <laughs> there it is. Step on I, me, Almano. I guess I have a reason. I wonder if it's like mean Camus or if it's like Prince Camus, Butler Camus. So now I'm going to have to watch season two in the Japanese to see how this turns out. Um, but yeah, so um, if anyone else would like to put on the conductor hat, feel free. But I am hanging it up in retirement. It is For the now. retired salt train conductor hat. So choo-choo, motherfuckers. Choo-choo. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I'm not going to be salty because this is probably one of my favorite Jason Lebrecht performances of all time. Yeah. See, like, I'm not. Like, I really, well, Noragami is mine, but this is like. Yeah. yeah well, okay. Really nothing's going to top Yato yeah, nothing will top No, Yato is like Nothing's going to top Yato. Ashi is probably, no, uh, Abano is probably a close second though for me. Yeah, Abano is also, it's a close second for me. And then, honestly, my, my close third for Jason Lebrecht is an Akka. Mm, but that's because facts. he plays a villain. Lilium. Yes, I will agree with Lilium. that. Fuck, that fucked me up the first time I saw it. Anyway, how, how, um, how do you feel about Jason? No, I, I, honest to God, loved it. I honestly think that it is up there as probably... It's so weird because this is, I don't know if, I, I guess I'm going to kind of just... just unfortunately default this to the comedy show because the show was very more easygoing and like slice of lifey than like a lot of other shows i've watched this year honestly it's probably one of my favorite performances of the year because i believe this counts towards this year yep it does okay okay cool this was one of my favorite performances out of anybody at funimation this year it was just a lot of i don't want to say it's a lot of fun because this character isn't fun he's kind of an asshole Yes. <laughs> he's he's this asshole who who has a talking RV, who has a, a, a snarking RV, to which my favorite thing is, since when, one of my favorite lines of the show is, since when did the mono, uh, the Mononokian learn to use emoji? Emoticons, yep. Emoticons. <laughs> yeah, that was- By the way, the Mononokian, by the way, if we can all agree, the Mononokian is one of the other best characters. Right. The, the Mononokian, Mononokian best, best character. Best boy. I love- Best character. Mononokian is best boy. Or girl, we don't know. Mononokian is my favorite RV. But there's just a lot of... I think what really sold me a lot on Amino's character is... He's such a jerk to... Um, he's such a jerk to... I want to call him by the actor's Not name yet. and I can't do Not it. Not yet, Ashia. Fuck. Ashia. He's such a dick to Ashia a lot of the times. And he also kind of like... like one of the things that really got me was um, when he when they're walking into the underworld for the first time, and he's like, "Dude, are you sick? What the fuck? You're supposed to tell me when you're sick." Yep. And he kind of moms Ashia a little bit, but for me, it's he comes off as such a dick to Ashia, though the fact of it is he, he's a tsundere kind of towards his friendship. But it's when he interacts with clients that he is such a different person. Mm. And one of the moments that really sticks out to me is in the episode where they go to Kristen McGuire and her mom's house. Oh, God. Yeah, by the way, that was Kristen McGuire. Yep. As the girl. Yep. As the as the really ditzy girl who was into, like, I'm into supernatural shit! Um, where Ashia is kind of yelling and venting to him about... Why aren't you fucking mad at these people? They they treat you like a con artist. They're they're really rude to you. And he's like, you don't think I'm mad at all this? And he kind of gives him this thing where he's like, I've just learned to let it go. 
Let it go, Camu. Let it go, Camu. We all have that card now. But he just kind of is like, yeah, no, like, that just, like, that really kind of got me, like, as his character, where it's like, how much of this whole exorcism shit plays on his psyche in that he's become just so numb to, hu to genuine human interaction between people that, because remember, he doesn't like helping people, he likes helping yokai better. And he is very respectful and very just very humble to them, except for the legislator who is basically like his shitty boss. But there's also just also be he also gets pretty fucking scary sometimes. Like where he's like, you know, where um Brittany is like, is it true? Did you kill your master to become the master of the Mononokian? And he like puts his hand on her snout and like shoves him down shoves the him down. It's like what if it was true? Would you still hate me? Like, I there's a lot going on to this character, and I think Gigi really nailed it, where it's like, he plays him really deadpan, but just, like, the little tiny intricacies in the voice show that there's so much more to the character. And I really like that out of Jason, and that's something that's, I think, really hard to get out of deadpan characters effectively, especially in a show where they're paired up against somebody who, like, Ashi is at a five- like, no. Fuck! Ashi is at a 10! God damn it, I keep messing their names up! Abano? And Abano is kind of at, like, a 2. And it's really hard to get that across without, like, get. Because you can never be as energetic as that energetic person next to you. Otherwise, it ruins. It ruins the tone of the show and it ruins the performance in my mind. But that's. I've rambled enough about. Abano. So, Steph, go ahead. So, like I was saying before when I was talking and describing Abano as a character, the best way I can describe Abano is he's a very... He's similar to me, actually. Because I'm a very black and white person, and so is Abano. Uh, it's either this way, it either goes down usually like this way or this way. There's no in-between. Um, which, when we get to Ashia, he's kind of the good, like, gray middle ground that I'll, we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, is also the brains of the operation. Clearly, he's the brains of the operation, because he knows what the fuck he's doing half the time. We're at the Ashia. Abano Ash also is tired of Ashia's bullshit half the time. <laughs> like, is a dumbass. And, um, even though the joke, the running joke is Abano calls Ashia a five-year-old to an extent that's kind of how he sees Ashia is as a five-year-old child who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about or anything about what's going on and I just love there and there's there's so many parts of Abano's character some of which I really hope kind of get explored a bit more um, when we eventually see season two come out um Especially the whole thing about his past and with the first master of the Mononoke in particular that I'm hoping that they expand upon a little bit more because he Abano is a black and white person. He's who's very intelligent who does kind of give people the benefit of the doubt. He's he's also very mysterious. He's very he can be loyal at times depending on who who he, who you're referring to in terms of a relationship wise and 
there's still some mysteries that we don't know of in terms of Amino. So considering how complex this character can be at times, I think Jason performs it very, very well. Even with the stoicism that Abino mostly has throughout the course of the show. And the fact that he's a rude and bossy little shit half the time. Especially to Ashia. But considering Jason's performance of Abino and then Ashia, who we're talk to talk about in a minute. Um, the, the interactions they have with each other. It's probably among some of my favorite banter. And I know Megan agrees with me on this. Oh god, too. I love the banter between them. The banter between the two of them is the absolute best, and I think that's my favorite part of the show, period, is the interactions that Jason has with Ashia. Um, and it's just so much fun, because you see those two opposite personalities. You have the black and white Abino versus the gray area named Ashia. So it's very interesting and so much fun, but considering the comp like some of the complex na- complexities in the nature of Abino's character, I think Jason performed all of that really, really well. And I'm just curious to know more about Abino as a character. And I hopefully we'll get to see more of that when we eventually see a second season come out. Uh, by the by, apparently on? this does have a yeah. By the by, apparently this is adapted off a of manga, and you can read it on Crunchyroll. But I would very much like for somebody to pick this up in the states for a physical release. Yeah, I would because love that too, no obviously. offense. The Crunchyroll manga reader's kind of shit. <laughs> I would love that too, honestly. I need because I would love to buy it digitally for my um for my Amazon Fire. Anyway, are we good to move on to our final character? Yes. The one we've all been waiting for. So that way Megan G- can finally stop stumbling with names. Okay, anyway, moving on. Our final character we're gonna discuss is Hane Ashia, our lead protagonist, uh, who <laughs> One day before school, st- his first day of high school starts, he stumbles across a yokai, uh, helps him out for like two seconds, and then the yokai gets attached to him to the point where uh, Ashia has no fucking idea what to do with it. And uh, he finds a flyer, a help wanted flyer for an assistant exorcist, calls calls this person, it ends up being Abino. Uh, Abino helps him get fuzzy, as we find out. Uh, off of Ashia, gets him sent to the underworld, and then as payment, he has to work for Abino as his assistant. And then Ashia just kind of gets dragged into a bunch of random shit that happens half the time. But in terms of his personality, um, kind of like what I was saying before, he if Abino is the black and white, Ashia is the gray area. And Ashia, I, between the two, I feel, at least, has a lot of heart to him. And he's very, very enduring. Um, so, as the voice of Ashia, we have... Megan's gonna be happy to finally call him by his actor's name. Aaron Dismuke coming into Yay! play here. Yay! Thank God and, I could call him Aaron! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Aaron has been in other series such as Blood Blockade Battlefront, The Heroic Legend of Arslan... And the Legend of the Galactic Heroes Dainu Thesis. Uh, GG. And I'm Chris. And I'm Clifford Chapin. Fuck you. Nothing's gonna stop us now. Us now. Oh, goddammit. I don't want to start dying of laughter right now. Shut the fuck up. GG. How do you feel about Aaron's performance of Ashia? Well, considering the fact that the main reason I wanted to watch this anime was because Aaron Dismuke was the lead in it. 
I wonder. I wonder. That should pretty much tell you right there. Okay, so I love Aaron Dismuke. Y'all know, or maybe you don't, that he is in my voice actor reverse harem. Um, I just think he has this most amazing, unique tone to his voice that I can pick out anywhere. And it just makes me very happy every time he's in something, whether he's playing a character like Ashia, who I normally wouldn't like because he's too vanilla for me. But in this, hello, super cute because Aaron Dismuke is voicing him. I can't freaking help it. But let me tell you what my favorite part of this entire dub was. It was when Ashia went to the underworld and he got that crazy yandere look in his eye. When he was about to oh, punch that capybara in the face, and it was like dark Aaron, and I was like, <gasps> and then we never saw it again. I know we never saw it again. I was like, more. I swear to God, that better, be, that better be brought up in season two because for some reason the name Ash, the last name of Asha, is apparently clearly is infamous for some reason. Right, and they never tell us what it people is. Know it. Yeah, so they better clear that up in season two. I'm going to be very disappointed. Like, that was, like, the whole draw to the actual, other than Aaron himself, the whole draw to the character, to me, was that he's hiding something. There's something hiding that maybe he doesn't know about. He has this kind of split personality that we're going to get to. And when we saw it in, like, episode four or five, I was like, ooh, great. It's going to be through the rest of the anime. And then it never comes again. It never gets. Baby, come back. I know, baby, baby, come <laughs> back to me. Yandere, dark Aaron. God damn it. I was just like, where did it go? That was the best part of the entire dub. And it was three lines and now it's gone. Um, but I mean, even with that, I mean, Ashia is such a pure, cute, little, kind soul that, I mean, I don't, I don't know why Aaron Dismuke is so good at making these kind of characters interesting to me because y'all know I don't like these kind of characters they bore the shit out of me but this performance was really good and it was adorable and like he did you know get a little bit of development other than dark Aaron time like at first he was like what the hell this yokai is possessing me I'm gonna die and then he turns around and like completely loves yokai so there's something going on here and I think that during the acting of this i'm gesturing a lot like right now i know you can't see me but i'm like making all these waving things <laughs> above my head just do it. i know i'm using my hands i'm just like oh like i just want to get this across um but there's like i think that in the directing and the acting they knew that there was something else going on with this character and the performance leaves little hints of it that we're not going to get to see fleshed out until maybe season two. If season two even gets released or a dub, I don't know. But I hope I, so. I like I. Yeah, it, mm, I just I loved it. I love Aaron Dismuke in anything. Um, and, you know, I truth be told, I'm not a huge fan of this anime as a whole, but I liked him in it. And I'm glad that I watched it for the sole reason to begin with that he was going to be the lead in this anime. So I just love that little thing he has in his voice. I, it's like a little raspy tone. And I'm like, yep. It's really adorable. I love him. So good job. Good job, Vanilla Ashia. Bring Dark Ashia back season two. 
<laughs> Megan, how do you feel about Aaron's performance? Uh, I also want Dark Ashi to come back because I want to. Okay, look. First of all, one, I wanted to do this when uh we got to Final Thoughts, but I'm gonna mm -hmm. do it now. So, uh, you can't convince me that this is just not a timeline in the world of Kakariyo. Because his master's name is Aoi, and she was a yokai. Just saying. Actually. Just fucking hmm, saying. Interesting, okay, okay. Just fucking saying. But, no, um, I loved Eren in this. And I liked how he played off of Jason, because... Spaz Eren is some of the best Eren Disney roles, like... Like Leo from Blockade Battlefront, which is one of my favorite all-time performances of Aaron Dismuke, as this poor fucking kid dropped into the middle of a situation with new magic powers with special eyes, thank you! My brand! My brand! My brand! God damn it. Um, Where he's kind of putzing around with some guy who doesn't really like him much. And gets thrown into all these crazy situations, but his empathy kind of gets him through and lets him save the day. So, I really like that Aaron, Aaron gets this across, and especially the fact that he does have some times that are darker. And then some times that are just genuinely, like, heartwarming and, and just gentle. Like, I'm not gonna lie. The boy in his fuzzball. The boy, a boy in his fuzzy. Gets me every time. He's a good boy. And I really like Aaron's performance in this. Um, I think Gigi covered a lot of what I said, minus the part that he's in my a voice actor reverse harem, because I don't have that. So, but I, I fucking love the performance. I would say that I think I think I like Jason as Abino a little bit better, but they're both incredibly strong leads, and I can't wait for season two where they get to come back and do this again. Again, I'm becoming a broken record here. So, with Ashia, Ashia has a lot of heart to him. He can be a bit of a spaz and have a lot of high energy to him, which Aaron is... Aaron... Because... I mean, let's not forget, we've, we've been growing up as Aaron has been growing up. In his <laughs> I think world. he's like a year younger than me, guys. Like, we've seen him grow... As a person and as an actor. Like, before our eyes. It's very interesting how this is developed. And a good amount of characters that we see Aaron typically play nowadays are these rather energetic characters who have a lot of heart to them. And Ashia is no exception here. Uh, though, to be fair, uh, who is it? Not... Yeah, Reinhardt. Reinhardt's an exception to the rule in this situation. Because um, it's Legend of the Galactic Heroes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Eren is just very, very lovable, lovable as Ashia. Because again, Ashia has that energy to him. He has such an endearing quality, an endearing charm to him that just makes you adore the character even more. And... He's a really good fit and a counterbalance to Abino because of his empathy and sympathy towards different situations where he's this outsider coming in and like, but what about X, Y, and Z when Abino's been doing this for years? Eight years, we find out, apparently. Uh, and 
Avano's more like A, B, and C, you know what I mean? And the black and white, like, just used to what he's doing. But then Ashia comes in and just basically, like, turns everything upside down because he's this gray area. He's the heart of the situation. And without, I feel like without Ashia, the show itself wouldn't be the same. Um, it'd be a completely different story. And without Aaron's performance of Ashia, I feel like the show would actually kind of suffer for it, despite Jason's performance of Abano. Because, again, one of the best qualities I think the dub has is the back and forth that Aaron and Jason share with each other. Um, that's some of my favorite stuff in the show. And despite Jason's uh, despite me loving Jason's performance of Abano, if he didn't have Aaron's energetic portrayal of Ashia to bounce off of, Lord knows where this show could go, in all honesty, and how it would affect the dub itself. So, as the character you're supposed to resonate with the most, and to an extent kind of self-insert yourself to, I think Aaron portrays that extremely well and carries it through to the end of the first season and to be fair though I also am curious about Dark Ashia because uh, clearly there's something there that hasn't been brought up ever since that happened and I really want to know what that is there's a lot of things that the show didn't get to do and I mean it was a huge surprise when it was announced that a second season was greenlit so who knows when we're going to get that but I really hope that they do uh, when it does come out, that they do dub it, and then, at the very least, um, Aaron and Jason get to come back for these roles. But anyway, moving on to our final thoughts on the English dub of the Morose Mononokian. Gigi, would you like to go first? All right, so my final thoughts on the Morose Mononokian. Uh, well, in any other universe, I would have skipped right past this show because it's basically Yokai Watch with cute boys. I guess. I don't know. I've never seen Yokai Watch, but I sure like to mention it a lot and make fun of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of thought this anime as a whole was middle of the road. Not talking about the dub, just the anime by itself. Um, definitely not something that I would have watched like voluntarily without the dub. So uh, because I had seen a cast list for this show, I was like, fuck, I got to talk about Aaron Dismuke for 20 minutes. You know, this is what's what it is. Um, but I am glad that I, I gave it a watch. Uh, honestly, it's kind of kind of forgettable to me, kind of just passable. I mean, there's nothing other than a few performances that really stood out for me about this. But um, Jason... Aaron and Brittany in here kind of were the things that like put it on part of a highlight reel for me. Uh, but this isn't normally a show I would watch. It was way more slice of lifey than I thought it was going to be, which to me equates boring because I don't like slice of life anime. I just think they're boring. I don't really like episodic anime. <laughs> um, so it had that going against it, like starting at episode two. Um, Will I watch a second season of this? I mean, I might watch a couple of episodes just to see if Dark Dark Ashia, Dark Aaron comes back. Um, and to hear 
Abano being voiced by Camu in Japanese. But other than that, I mean, I don't really have a desire to watch any more of this. I'm, I think if you're on the fence about watching this and you like episodic anime and you like things about yokai, by all means, please give this a go because you will like this more than I did. Um, but I did like the performances that were in it. The dub is very passable. The dub is fine. And I really liked who I really liked in it. Um, and I think that's all I have. That's all I have. Dark, uh, Dark Ashia for life. The show is 100% my fucking jam and I'm so mad I didn't watch it till now. Um, <laughs> you see how we differ, folks? You see how we differ? I'm sorry, by the way, if you don't know, I love, like, fantasy yokai demons dragons all that type of shit like that's my jam like i fucking like a show where a guy turns into a giant white tiger that should say enough about me no so i i love this dub i thought it was a lot of fun it's a very easy listen to um that's that's something that's like not easy to say about a lot of shows that oh this is super super easy to listen to um but it was, and I was very surprised by how easy it was to listen to. Um, I think all the the character acting is great. I have the little bit of nitpick that the boys, uh, some of the older gentlemen characters, who are played by older gentlemen, uh, do kind of blend together if you put them all in one screen. And I was like, Jesus Christ, my brain can't handle this. I've watched too many dubs. Um, but I, I genuinely liked it. I loved a lot of it. Um, I, I think this might be my favorite thing that Tyler Walker's directed this year, actually. Um, I know Angels of Death was was up there for being probably the other really fun thing that I love that Tyler Walker directed, but this is probably up there for me. This might be one of my... Okay, shit, I can't say that because that man directed Bacchano. I was like, I can never say that. He legitimately directed one of the best dubs ever made, so... Um, no. But, no, I, I loved it. I had a lot of fun. So, that being said, go on, stuff. Okay, so my final thoughts on the dub of Moros Mononokian. Um... I really enjoyed it too. It has a very, it has a fun charm to it, uh, very endearing quality, and it's just so, it's so fun. It's, it's one of the easier shows I've been able to get through this year, believe it or not. It's an easy watch for anyone, uh, especially if you if you like your fantasy supernatural stuff, but you also like your slice of life stuff. So I don't know how easy it was for Gigi to get through since she's not typically a fan of, like, Slice of Life stuff. But, um, I know for me it was very easy to watch it. I mar- I straight marathoned it today. And I, by, like, 2, 2.30, when I, two, two, like, 2, 3 o'clock this afternoon when I realized I was done, I'm like, wait, I just finished the show? I thought it'd be done later than this. Hold on. <laughs> but it's a, it's a very charming show. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and the... The dub is just so endearing, and it's adorable. Um, It has some amazing performances in it from Aaron and Jason and Brittany, and I think Danny Chambers was great, too. Um, And, again, my favorite parts of the, the dub in general are the banter between Aaron and Jason, because that's really the core of it, is these two goobers bickering like an old married couple and figuring out how to do shit and exercise yokai. It's very cute. Um, if you like your more charming slice of life kind of shows, 
um, that have a supernatural, fantastical element to it. Uh, you're definitely going to enjoy this show a lot. Uh, despite it having some plot holes and bits of character development that are appear for five seconds and never get talked about again, a.k.a. Dark Ashia. Uh, but hopefully because, again, season two, the announcement that it was greenlit came out of fucking nowhere, uh, hopefully that'll clear that up a little bit uh, when we eventually get that release. So, on that note, if you're interested in seeing the Morose Mononokian, there are a couple different ways to watch it. The first is if you're interested in seeing the show in general, you can see the Japanese version over on Crunchyroll. Uh, it is there, full, the full show is there. You are not required to have a premium subscription in order to watch it, but if you do want a premium subscription, uh, they do have a 14-day free trial where you can try out their services. If you're interested in seeing the English dub for the Morose Mononokian, however, you're going to have to head over to Funimation now in order to watch it. Uh, they also have a 14-day free trial for their subscription services. However, as your usual your usual disclaimer, and this is going to be used for both Crunchyroll and Funimation in this situation, uh, if you do not wish to keep the service after the 14-day trial is up, you're going to need to cancel it because both services do ask for credit card information at sign-up. Um, I believe I would not know because I don't have this one, but um, it's probably also on Verve as well if you're interested uh, in checking it out through there. Uh, and then the other way to watch it, of course, is there is a physical home video release for the Morose Mononokian. Uh, it is on the Blu-ray DVD combo pack through Funimation uh, at your wherever you get and wherever you buy your local anime, uh, your needs over there. If you are interested in anything that the Dub Talk Podcast does, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitch, all at Dub Talk Podcast. Uh, we also have a coffee account if you enjoy what we do here and you feel like donating a little bit to help us out in terms of production-wise and all our other goals that we've been working on. Um, we do sincerely appreciate it, but if you don't, that's also okay, too. Uh, we... what else? What else? What else? If you're interested in anything that the ladies here do, my name is Stephanie. I am on Twitter at Lalek Anime Review with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E, where I where I don't really do much else aside from bitch about daily life in general. I'm sorry. Work has been a mess lately. <laughs> it's been really crazy, especially after I got back from Anime Fest, and I'm not going to go into nitty-gritty details. But if you want to follow Megan and what she does, she is uh, at Queen Era 2 on Twitter, where she shit posts all the comp all the live long day uh you might also occasionally see you're hanging around on the funimation discord or funimation forums as well and gg is at anime palooza where she talks about her shoujo trash on a constant basis as well as wishing camu could step on her on a frequent basis <laughs> i'm can't... a good friend i bought a picture of that for her it was great it's beautiful um, but if you really want to follow anything that Gigi does, you can head on over to her YouTube channel, Anime Palooza, where she does different unboxings, Udapri scouting videos, the Shoujo Trash Showdown podcast is over there with her and her co-host Gwen. Uh, you can follow a variety of stuff over there. Um, just just don't watch the Udapri stuff if you've never played Udapri because that's how you get sucked in. That's how I got fucking sucked in is watching one of her goddamn Do it anyway, Udupri play videos. with us, bitches. Ugh, I'm here forever now and idle hell. Fuck my life. Don't forget, anyway. you're here forever. I fucking hate you. Oh, I just unplugged my computer. 
Oops, Daisy. Um, but I believe on that note, that is everything we want to cover. Was there anything else, like, plug-wise that I missed, potentially, from any of us? Remember, always respect your newt, daddy. God damn it. <laughs> Don't lose the newt. Don't lose the newt. God. Um. Why are we not allowed to loot the newt? He loots himself. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can I have my I'm wine now? Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> Great. We can, we, let's go have our box wine and call it a fucking day. I'm good. I think we're... Alright. So on that note, that's it for us here at Ladies Night this season. Uh, hopefully you'll hear from us again in the near future. And until then... We're calling it a good night. Have a good night, everyone. We'll see you later. And otaku on, my friends. Love your faces. Lude the newt. He ludes himself. Shut the fuck up.